Welcome to the Fantasy Baseball Podcast. This is your host, Tim Kanak. You can find me on X if you can scroll through all the Jeffrey Epstein Island tweets today <laughs> at Fantasy Baseball. And today we have national championship attendee. Bound. <laughs> yes, attendee Raymond Atherton. AKA Go Blue at Raymond Atherton. What's up, Raymond? What's up, man? Yeah, I was an emotional roller coaster yesterday, but we had it all the way. And uh, yeah, we, <laughs> you we'll be had safe. it all the way until almost like the last until the last minute when there was Dude. almost a safety and almost a fumble <laughs> on the in the end zone at the end. Um. If it wasn't for Alabama's punt team, we dominated that game. Their punt unit was the best unit in that game last night. But, yeah, oh, uh, defensive line had like six sacks. Uh, we ran the ball pretty well. So, yeah, we're four-and-a-half-point favorites against Washington. I'm uh, pretty geeked for Monday. Was that karmic justice Michigan winning for the Detroit Lions getting screwed the other day? <laughs> There's been a bunch of memes around uh, Detroit sports Twitter about um, the Lions being good. And it's like, you know, that Thanos meme, it's like, what did it cost you? And he's like everything. And it was uh, the Pistons setting the major league, like major four major sports record consecutive losses because they lost 28 (laughs) in a row. (laughs) So that's 28 in a row. That's so bad. (laughs) up until like up until last week when they won the diamondbacks and the rangers had won a game more recently than the pistons (laughs) (laughs) oh my god that's so funny i can't believe that 28 in a row that's terrible dude they started started the season 0 and 28 no 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 no. they had some from last year right they started the season two and one and then they lost 28 in a row wow that's so terrible. <laughs> there was one I didn't even joke. Know. I, I don't watch. I don't watch basketball yeah. except for March Madness. So I had basketball's no the basketball's the worst of the four professional sports by far, in my opinion. I agree. Hockey's awesome. NHL is so fun. I, I just love I going to hockey games. That's the best. I think college football is so great to attend live if you're like. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, it doesn't even matter. If you're going to see a team that you like, like college football yeah, is the it's, most fun, I think. And then I think a hockey game is the next most fun after that for a live event. I was listening to a Fox Sports podcast today, and they said uh, college sports fandom are like tribes, like almost like a cult. Like if you belong to the the fandom, it's like the passion that you feel for your college football team is not even comparable to what you feel for your pro teams. Most it's of the true, time, dude. and it's kind of funny because, like, in college football, the SEC is like it's like the SEC is basically the Yankees of, of college football because I hated the SEC until Mizzou left the Big Twelve and joined the SEC, and now I'm rooting. I'm always rooting for all the SEC teams, except I hate Alabama and Nick Saban because I think Nick Saban is like the devil. So I was not rooting for them, and you're my buddy. So I was more or less, I was more or less neutral watching that game. I was kind of just watching it as a part, as a nonpartisan bystander. You weren't rooting for Michigan for me. I'm offended. 
I kind of was, but then at the same time, I was like, well, the, I do. I, it would be nice if the SEC won again, so that everyone can hate the SEC more. But <laughs> I said, but then again, te- worked- dude, Texas, Texas was also kind of like I, I don't know. Do they would they count? They didn't win, no. but would they have even counted? No, like Washington's going to the Big Ten next year. They don't count. I think the Big Twelve is still or Pac twelve is still claiming them. Yeah. But uh, I said to a guy I work with today that I'm more. I was more rooting for Alabama to lose last night than I was rooting for Michigan to win. Like, <laughs> I hate them so much, and I'm so oh, glad they lost. I like how we have the block M versus the block W. It's like yeah, it's, it's like the same logo, signs. just upside yeah. We got literally we've got like gang signs, like yo yo, like M W. Like <laughs> it's the game sign bowl. <laughs> uh, yeah, dude. So. We're trying to get two tiers of pitchers in, so we shall try to move forward on this one, even though uh, it's an exciting time. It's an exciting time for Raymond with Michigan. It's an exciting this time is... for me because I have a baby due any like minute at this point. <laughs> um, this is like the pinnacle of sports. Like college football's wrapping up. NFL playoffs are about to start. And then we get into the worst season of sports when there's no football. And then it's just basketball until baseball starts. Just basketball and hockey. Yeah. And it's regular season where like the regular season games in basketball and NHL are just the most irrelevant. I feel but, like, like I love like playoff hockey is awesome. Playoff mm-hmm. basketball can be good sometimes. Just depends. Like the first round always sucks because there's basketball. There's so many bad teams all the time that like the first round is usually pretty crappy. But like, yeah, we get more, basically we have fantasy baseball and March Madness, and then we have the NFL draft, and then you get the playoffs <laughs> of hockey and baseball. Like that's a, like the the schedule, basically. <laughs> that is a good point. That like the worst season of sports is the biggest fantasy baseball prep. So I guess that is kind of bittersweet. There's just nothing to watch. Yeah, it's true. Or. I mean, the thing for me, like, I've got spring training. I love spring training games. They're the best baseball games to go to. Like, I would go to, like, yeah, I, live I would next to two spring training stadiums, West Palm and Jupiter. And I would much rather go to either. And it doesn't even matter who's playing than go to Miami and see a Marlins game. Like, <laughs> yeah, that sounds terrible. Yeah. And the spring training games get way more fans than the Marlins games. It's pretty funny. Like you'll you'll get like twenty thousand people or, or however they get filled like max stadium every time the Cardinals play or the Astros or the Mets like those stadiums fill up and it's like you could barely move and then the Marlins stadium like I feel like you could just run laps the entire game and not even like get anywhere near a person if you wanted to just like run circles in the whole stadium like go everywhere and like not even like get near people. Because <laughs> nobody goes. <laughs> okay. Anyway, uh, we had a Chris Sale trade. So Chris Sale for Vaughn Grissom. So he's, for real life, I, I think, yeah, I think, well, he's only 10 million or whatever, but I feel like that's AA, all these no, 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 no. moves he made went to that, right? Right. I meant uh, Von Grissom is free. Like, he's finally going to get playing time. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Not like he's free monetarily. Well, 
It depends. I mean, will he get playing time? Doesn't it kind of depend on what position he's playing? I mean, he'll play Red Sox outfield was still kind of crowded last year. He'll play second or short, won't he? Trevor Story. Got Trevor Story there. We have uh, Rafaela, who will probably play in the outfield. Yeah. And then Marcelo Meyer is coming in like a year or whatever. So who knows? (laughs) He might Um, get relegated again. Because the outfield, you've got uh, Broniel. And you have Abreu, Rafaela, and Duran. So they've got. I mean, he'll shuffle around. I'm sure, but he might get. He can. He might just be like a super util guy because he can play infield and outfield. He might just like move him around. Who knows? Let's see. Where does he? Oh yeah, I forgot they signed O'Neill. Uh, yeah, roster resource has him, dude. He's only 23, pegged at second base. Um, yeah, I mean that Emmanuel Valdez like earmarked there before. So, mm-hmm. um, no, I think he'll play second base or maybe some outfield next year. But I definitely think he's got a spot this year. They wouldn't have made this move if they didn't plan on playing him full time. I don't think. But I'm still out on him unless I'm in like a twenty team league. The only league I might be in on him is NLI. Any other league? I don't think so. Not even 15-team NFBC leagues? No. You can get better guys at middle infield. You can get I better see, guys, I think. I saw somebody on Twitter, a smaller analyst, um, tweet that second base is the – he thinks it's the deepest position this year. Mm, yeah, probably. I, I think I said that it was one of them besides out, – I think out, I said outfield then second base when I did my little breakdown. Mm-hmm. Second base – the thing is there's a lot of multi-position eligible guys that play second base. Yeah. So it kind of ca- depends on where you count them because there's a good number of shortstops who are also second base eligible yeah. and outfielders. So, like, for instance, you have, like, McLean plays second and short. And then you've got uh, – that's just one example. Then you've got – You can like, even uh, start at Mookie. Tommy Edmond. Yeah, Mookie. Work your way down. Yeah, Donovan. Like, there's all kinds of guys. And then so, you got like your young second bit, like Zach Net or not Neto, like the yeah. Kid that, from actually, the twins. there's another guy. There's another guy. Neto Julian. Jr. Yep. Julian. Julian. Um, but um, also, like, the Red Sox are counting on Trevor Story to stay healthy. So, I mean, that never works out for anybody. Did for the Rockies for a number of years, like three or four solid years there. But I think he's. I don't really like him anymore. I think he's just kind of toast. I think he was just – he's the type of guy that was had a high BABIP to average spread, kind of like Nolan Jones, where that only works in certain ballparks like Colorado. So, like, Nolan Jones, if you put him in any other ballpark, would not be as good as he is in, I think, what he's going to be this year. And, like, so Nolan – basically, Nolan Jones is the new Trevor Story, is what I'm trying to say. And Trevor Story <laughs> is, like, the the old – Nolan Jones, or maybe like the old Tulo, like when Tulo left, something like that. It's something like or, that. <laughs> what about uh, Dustin or not Dustin Pedroia? Wow, that was almost bad. The DJ dude who plays for the Yankees, LeMahieu. DJ LeMahieu. Thank you. Well, DJ has the best year for the Yankees, but that's because he's, he just pulled it right like three sixty. <laughs> yeah, he's just putting the ball in the right spot for the Yankees. Um. Chris Sale for this trade. 
I actually, this is the one thing to keep in mind. A lot of people are thinking, oh, sale with the Braves, and they're bumping him up the rankings. I would not do that. I left sale in the same spot in my rankings, but it's actually worse for him to go to Atlanta because the park factors between Boston and Atlanta are very similar. But Boston had a much better defense last year than Atlanta. Atlanta had a terrible defense last year. And maybe it will get better with Kelnick out there and like no Marcel Ozuna in the outfield, <laughs> like Eddie, no, Eddie Rosario and Marcel Ozuna in the outfield. So maybe it will improve, but uh, Boston had a pretty good defense last year. So that's something to keep in mind. Now the, and like I said, the ballpark factors are pretty similar because SunTrust plays pretty well for power. It's not like a non-power park doubles will probably go down, but, um, I don't know. I feel like it's almost like a neutral move for sale or not like a positive move, except for probably the wins category. What do you think? Yeah, I think I agree with almost all of that. Like when you texted us about this, I was like, too bad the Braves can't make them stay healthy. So. Yeah. The, the Braves, <laughs> I think we joked about it last offseason that like, because we always make fun of the Yankees training staff but the Braves training staff was pretty bad for pitchers last year. Like they had, they had a lot of pitchers go down basically like everyone got, but Strider got hurt. Charlie Morton just keeps getting hit with comebackers though. I don't think that's anyone's fault. Yeah, that's true. But then like, what about um, all the other guys? Like, yeah, Ian, I can't like all those, the all those ones. prospects are toast, dude. Like Kyle, Kyle Wright toast traded Ian Anderson toast. Like all those Remember that a couple of years ago, everyone was talking about the Braves have like amazing pitching depth. They've got all these top pitching prospects, blah, 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 blah. They're, dude, they're all toast, all of them. So bad that they had to bring up 20 year old AJ Smith Shaver to like save their ass in the middle of the season. Right. Yeah. Chris Sales at SP 49 in early ADP, and that seems right. 172 overall. You know, He'll one of the funny creep things. up on name value. I would oh, expect that will. to to jump probably into the, I don't know, one forties maybe, but yeah, Yeah. I'm out. I'm probably out. One of the funny things about the whole thing too, is like most people had Giolito going to the Braves and then he went to the Red Sox. Yeah. (laughs) So like, like so many people had Giolito going to the Braves because they're like, Oh, he's friends with Max Fried, blah, blah, blah. And, and also because what's his face went there, Um, which nobody's really been talking about on podcasts. But this is the first season of Giolito's career that he's not going to be playing with Raylo. <laughs> because That's Raylo awesome. went there. Yeah, because Raylo went there. And so and Freed is there. So everyone's like, oh, Giolito's going to go to the Braves. But then he goes to the Red Sox. So the Red Sox are like, okay. Or the, the Braves are like, okay, well, then we'll just take Chris Sale, I guess. <laughs> Chris Sale or Nick Lodolo? Uh I got to go. You know what? It depends. Uh, Dynasty um, or like keeper or a league with an IL, I'm probably going Lodolo. But then I think if I'm doing like TGFBI, I'm going to pick Sale above Lodolo. See, like, I don't even know if I want Sale and TGFBI because those no roster or no IL spots kill you. I guess. Yeah, but Lidolo's the thing in TGFBI no is you're going to stay healthy either. You can just cut him and move on if he gets hurt. Like, 
That's what yeah. I would do. Whereas Lodolo is like a guy that like if I'm drafting, I want to hold him and you know he's not like I feel like Sale is either gonna get through the whole season or he's gonna pitch like the first half and then get hurt and miss the rest of the second half. I feel like he he's major injury or no injury. Whereas Lodolo, I feel like just gets little boo-boos. But I don't know. That's just like my general feeling about the two guys. Maybe I'm wrong. Right. I tried to pick I tried to pick somebody well behind Chris Sale and ADP. There's like 40 spots between those two guys. So, yeah. But yeah. Giolito, uh, like we said, went to the Red Sox. Um, good or bad for him? It This is something, too, that like it didn't really do much in my rankings. I actually pushed him down a few spots. I put Giolito after he went to the Red Sox because, like I said, it is a hitter's part, even though they do have good defense. I bumped him below Nick Pavetta, Merrill Kelly, Brandon Fott, and his old best friend that he never played on a team with, but was on a team with for like three days, Chris Sale. So I bumped him below all of those guys. So he's one spot below Sale for me right now. And I did do his F score. Uh, he's got a 107 stuff still. The control was 94. And then the FERA 113. And he had a like a really rough second half, so like I think with the control that bad, he's pretty firmly out of like potential, like because he was kind of moving up and down out of like top twenty status for a few years. I think he's just like okay, he's going to be pretty consistently for the rest of his career, like one of these like a four starter for your team if you're like playing in a regular fantasy league, like. You're not going to draft him as a top three starter on any of your teams ever again, I think. <laughs> or at least you shouldn't. If you did, you waited yeah. too long. Yeah. <clears throat> um, my thing about Giolito is, like, he had such a weird season that I can see people – like, if you want to talk yourself into Giolito, I think you can just write off the second half. And if you want to be out on Giolito, you can kind of write off the good parts of the first half. So I think he'll be kind of decisive this year, but where he's going, I'm okay with him as, you know, SP four or five, ideally. Um, yeah, yeah, I don't know. I'll, I would be I'll probably have at least a couple shares. It's not like I'm avoiding him like some other names in that tier we talked about. He still had a good K minus walk last year. Like whenever I Dude, did his, his, when I did his F scores, I was so shocked. Like, I knew he had a good first half and a bad second half because I owned him on a couple teams. But I was still shocked to find out that even with the bad second half, he still had a 16.5 K-minus walk. So he still had a well above average K-minus walk, even with that really bad second half. His changeup was one of the best pitches in the first half. Yeah. By just swing and miss stuff. Yep. So moving forward, Frankie Montas to the Rays. Uh, Montas, I moved down a whole tier when I did his F scores. So obviously Cincinnati is not a good place to pitch. <laughs> That's going to hurt. Oh, you said, you said Rays. I was like, so oh, the Rays. I'm in the Reds. Reds. Yeah. So Mon- Montas with the Reds, uh, his F scores, 40 durability, obviously hasn't played in like a year and a half. 105 stuff, 100 control, 94 FERA. FERA, obviously partially dragged down by ballpark factors. And like, I have him right now in a grouping and we'll get, to, we're not even going to get to this tier today, but I've got him around uh, Tyler Molly, who's not even going to play the whole first half. 
Jose Urquidy, Patrick Sandoval, and uh, Griffin Canning. Those are the players he's. I've got him around. So I'm not very optimistic on Montes coming back this year, thanks to him going to the worst ballpark in baseball to pitch. Yeah, I don't understand. Like, he's had two shoulder surgeries separated by one and a third innings. Like, and the Reds gave him $16 million. Like, that contract either has to be loaded on incentives or it's just one of the worst contracts in baseball. Yeah, I'm sure there's incentives. It's, he only signed, like, a couple days ago. I mean, they're still releasing details from Yamamoto's contract. They just released today. Yeah. There's, like, stipulations about if he gets hurt in his elbow, the opt-outs change, blah, blah, mm-hmm. blah. So there's still contract details that get leaked out, like, even weeks after the contract comes Dude, out. Dude, sometimes it's even, like, longer than that. Years, seasons. Yeah, um, I wonder how long it took Bobby Bonilla's contract details to get leaked. <laughs> um. Side note, that's one of the – I saw a tweet about the Tigers. It's one of the things the beat writers love about Scott Harris is when he signs someone in his press conference or his press releases, he confirms their contracts and contract details quickly. Good. That's how it should be. Why not? Not what a lot of teams are doing that. What is there to hide? Uh, Zach Plesak signs with the Angels. Uh, when Gabe texted to me, I was just like, oh, well, that's poopy for Chase Silseth. Um, They might run six-man. They're used to running six-man. So, I don't know. What do you think about police sacks and angels? I Running six-man made sense when they had Otani. But, like, I don't know that they have five starters I'd want to play every day, let alone six of them. So, police sacks pretty toast, dude. I ran his F scores. This is who I have him next to. Austin Gomber, Patrick Corbin, Kyle Freeland. Not guys yeah. that you really want to be associated with. Basically, yeah, that's the guy be... where if you need innings in a league, yeah, and it doesn't matter if they're going to be shitty or not, then you can go ahead and take it. <laughs> yeah, he was really bad last year. Um, he he's on a really bad team. Here. Yeah, he's on a really bad team. I don't see a lot to be excited about. Two-start streamer, points leagues, maybe. Super deep leagues. Do you want to talk about Wander? Should we talk about Wander? Nobody talks about Wander. He's just like uh, Voldemort now. I guess we probably should. I think he's toast, dude. I think his whole career is toast. I think he's never coming back. What do you think? I cannot believe his lawyers thought taking that picture was a good idea. The fact that that picture <laughs> exists makes me think he's never going to see the light of day again. Yeah. And I just feel bad for Rays fans. Like they don't spend any money. They constantly float the trade good players for cheap players, blah, blah, blah forever. And then they finally find this superstar who's willing to take a, you know, a below market extension for a decade or whatever turns out to turns out to be a criminal. Like you that race fans can't win. Yeah. Allegedly. Allegedly, yeah. I mean there's nothing proven yet, but obviously like it's they're at this point and they're why like is, they're, why they're is he like Puerto Rico. They're like we detained him. We wanted to investigate because there are relationships like multiple uh-huh. with minors, 
like multiple mm-hmm. minors. So if it's just like one girl, then maybe it's like a he said, she said thing. But when you're talking like multiple people, then it's like, rut row. <laughs> Oops, dude. I mean, like, he's 22. But- so like, if it was like, like, let's think about it this way. If it, if we found out that the girl he was dating was like a 17 year old and he's 22, is that like really that bad? Like I'm four years old. I mean, like it's, it's not good, but like I'm four years older than my wife. Yeah. <laughs> so like the fact I mean, that she's met, 17 is a, a problem. Yeah. Yeah. We, I mean, we met, I was like 25 and my wife was like 21. So like we were older, but like, you know, you know the rule, right? So if you're 22, you cut your age in half and add seven. So he should have only been dating 18-year-olds, <laughs> which is hilarious. But, yeah, I don't know. I I briefly, like, before this week and all this new stuff about them trying to find him came out, I thought about throwing a dollar on him in FAI just in case he's innocent when somebody still might do that. But, yeah, I think he's toast. Yeah, I mean, like, really, would it be the worst investment? And, like, innocent until proven guilty. I'm all for that. But the dude looks like he just got caught with his hands in the cookie jar. Like, Yeah, why (laughs) why is he running? Why was he turning himself in in Puerto Rico? Like, yeah. I don't, yeah, why would, I mean, like, why wouldn't he just be in America? Why would he even go back there? He'd just be in America, hire, like, he he Probably got because big, he got a hundred million dollars or whatever. You can hire some baller law firm. Don't even hire one lawyer. Hire like go to my. There's a lot of good law firms in Miami. Like you're close to Miami. Go to Miami and get some baller half criminal mafia law firm because there's a ton of them down in Miami. I live there. I know. <laughs> you can find some shady ass lawyers. Find a whole firm of shady ass lawyers to cover your ass and just like push this thing down the road, like in perpetuity, <laughs> more or less. That's, that's what rich people do. They just make things, they just push them further down the road as far as they possibly can until they die. <laughs> he can, I don't know. He can probably pay his way out of it. I don't know. I, I'm I mean, not well, going to lie. I'm not going to Isn't that how the whole, whole thing came out, though, is that he wasn't paying the like the, the girl wanted money and they didn't, he didn't pay her yeah. the mom or something like that? He was supposed uh, to pay the mom or something? I'm not going to pretend like I understand how South, or South American courts work, but um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, hitters, dude. Isn't it weird that like no hitters have signed? I feel like has anyone signed besides uh, uh, the Korean dude? I think nobody has signed except for him. Yeah, Mark Canna was a trade. Yep. So is Tyler O'Neill. I don't think a single yeah. hitter has signed. Kelnick was a trade. Soto was a trade. There were, mm-hmm. and I don't think there's literally been a single hitter who has signed, except for like maybe some like people in the Minor league. Yeah. yeah. Um well, you're, they're probably waiting for the big dominoes to fall. Like, Bellinger hasn't signed yet. Like, Well, the whole thing was uh, Bellinger was going to sign after Otani. What's he waiting for now? A deal he wants? I guess. $300 million? By the way, talking about free agents before we move on to the actual pitchers, because we've already blown like 30 minutes of this bad boy, <laughs> which puts us on pace to do one tier again instead of two tiers. Uh, <laughs> um, the Red Sox apparently... 
told somebody or an agent or whatever that they're trying to clear more cap so that they can go after, so they can go harder after one of these free agent pitchers, apparently. That's the word on the street, yo. Yeah, I mean, dude, also, like, the hitter market is just not – who's the second best hitting free agent? Cody – or not Cody Bellinger, Matt Chapman. Chapman, probably. Oh, Kevin Kiermeyer signed. Yeah, so did uh, – IKF. IKF, yeah. Yeah, like I said, people who don't matter for fantasy. They matter for real life, but not really for fantasy. Oh, Lord Scurriel re-signed with the Diamondbacks. Jamer signed with the Reds. Oh, that's right. That's right. We had a couple, I guess. But, dude, like, the whole free agent hitter market is just, like, it's Cody Bellinger, massive gap, Matt Chapman, massive gap, and then, like, Reese Hoskins. I, I don't know, dude. It depends. Harrison, is J.D. Jorge Martinez. Soler. Is J.D. Martinez a better free agent than Chapman? Honestly, Depends yeah. on what you're at. Like, if you just want a, the best hitter. Tim for Anderson. Oh, Teoscar Hernandez is kind of a big name, I guess. J- I think J.D. Martinez is the best. Is ma- I think he's better than Belly. I think Martinez is the best hitter on the market. Justin I Turner, mean, too. He... Justin Turner is still underrated. I thought he had a team option. I thought he's going to be a Red Sox. No, dude. He's a free agent. Oh, yeah, he's a free agent. You're right. You're yeah, right. You're right. You're right. And there are rumors Jock- he was he was talking to the Mets to go back to the Mets. Oh, that'd be fun. Um. I'll probably sign with the Reds because they need more infielders. <laughs> yeah. Hey, uh, let's get to the pitchers. Okay, so we left off at pitcher number 70. So the tier we're at is pitcher 70 through pitcher 93, a big 23-man tier. I'm just going to read off the names, and then you and I both picked five guys each that we're going to talk about, and we did pick one of the same guys. So the guys, the, the, the tier goes 70, John Gray, 71, Nestor Cortez, 72, Paul Skeens, 73, Jamison Tyone, 74, Lance Lynn, 75, Cutter Crawford, 76, Logan Allen, 77, Nate Ivaldi, 78, Reese Olsen, 79, Reed Detmers, 80, Tosh Bradley, 81, Clark Schmidt, 82, Max Meyer, 83, Yusei Kikuchi, 84, Kyle Harrison, 85, Dustin May, 86, rookie, Jared Jones, 87, Steven Matz, 88. I've got Taj ba- or Trevor Bauer currently there as a placeholder. I think he's going to end up somewhere in this year if he actually does sign with a major league team. Uh, talk about – dude, Wander, Bauer has to be the biggest Wander Franco fan because I feel like all the Wander Franco stuff – is making Bauer seem like not so bad anymore. Uh, <laughs> yeah, 89, was... Marcus Stroman, 90, Mitch Keller, 91, Andrew Haney, 92, Tanner Houck, 93, Trevor Rogers. And, dude, I didn't even rank Julio Arias because I think that dude is toast too. So I didn't even bother. Like, that guy is at least toast for a year, if not longer, if not forever. So we'll see. Um, but I tried tier... to do some – just a quick – I tried to do some research on Julio Arias just to see if there's a – not – this was like last week sometime, just to see if there's any updates. And the only thing I could find on Twitter is just like fans talking shit about him. <laughs> Dude, he's he's probably done. He's – uh, who's that Astros closer who was really good? He was uh, – that's who he, – he, he's the next one of them. 
What's his name? Yeah. Neftop, I, I no. Not, I think they were both Mexican, too. I know who you're talking about, but I'm going to get the name wrong, so I'm not even going to say anything. Yeah, I'm going to say someone, someone's listening right now. like, ah! Like, <laughs> uh, yeah, dude. And then Wander is basically that Pirates pitcher, right? <laughs> like, wasn't there a Pirates pitcher who was, like, dating mm-hmm. a 16-year-old? He's in prison right now. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that guy was 30. At least Wander is only, like, 22. I'm just saying he's... It's not as bad as like me dating a fifteen-year-old or whatever it was, like you know, a twenty-year gap or whatever. So yeah, that's tough. <laughs> anyway, uh, you wanted to talk about John Gray, number seventy starting pitcher here. His F scores: ninety-nine durability, one hundred three stuff, one hundred one control, one hundred one FERA. That's a one hundred five F score, one hundred three future F score, and like to me before I allow you to expand on why you wanted to talk about him, I think John Gray is just like a guy, you know, like he's definitely better than he was in Colorado. Cause he's not in Colorado anymore, but he's just, not, I don't think there's anything exciting about him. I think he's just like, okay, John Gray right there. Like there's nothing, I don't know. There's nothing that makes me want to draft John Gray. He's just a guy. What do you think? Right now? Yeah. So he is just a guy and I think he has a pretty safe, I forget the exact, but he's thrown like 160 innings four years in a row or something like that. Close. So he's safe, first of all. But I was looking at his splits, and his fastball gets absolutely demolished. And so I was kind of thinking that if he just like becomes one of these pitchers who's like works off his slider and kind of stops throwing the the four seam, like he – he threw his fastball less. So in 2022, he threw it 50.5% of the time. And then 2023, he threw it 42% of the time. So if that trend continues and he fades the fastball and starts working his slider up, you know, just changes his pitch mix. Like, I think I think he could be a better boring guy. Like, I don't think he's going to be a superstar. But he could be a little bit better. So, I mean we've talked at length at this point of how pitchers this later either boring or have some upside, but they come with some other risks. So, I mean, you have him at the top of this tier, so you obviously like him a little bit. He's the better version of these boring guys. So, Yeah, I yeah, just think he's I, not going to suck. You know, he's gonna yeah, exactly. Like, and I think there's yeah. some – there's just a little bit of improvement I think you could see if he leans into – fading the fastball and throwing his off-speed stuff more. Yeah, you know, one of the interesting things is that Eno talked about this a while back on a Rates and Barrels podcast, but John Gray, he developed, he had to, he, like, when he was drafted, when he got to Colorado, he I remember changed this. Yeah. his fastball just so and that slider. it would move. Yeah, it just so he changed the fastball just so it would move better for cores because the ball moves differently there. So he, yep. he basically developed his fastball to be a course fastball. And now that he's not in course, he's got to like readjust it. And the funny thing is, if you go back through his track record, you can see he's tried to develop other fastball type pitches. Like he at one point tried a cutter and then he tried a sinker. And then he's just like, oh, no. <laughs> like, so I don't know. Like, does he have to maybe try like a, uh, the whole thing is everyone's talking about how everyone's going to get a, uh, Oh, what's it called now? A um, sweeper. 
No, that was the last year thing. Now everybody wants a splitter because all the Japanese guys are coming over and succeeding. So, Did you like, listen to the CBS pod today? Yeah, with Lance. Yeah, about how the splitter is the the best pitch in baseball. That was fascinating. Yeah, it just it has such bad control. That's the thing. You have to control it right. Um, I mean, like that's why. Look at Hurston Waldrop. He just flew through the minors because people can't hit his splitter, even though the control on it is not great. So you just have to like that's why Gaussman has had so many up and down seasons. Is yeah, it because the it took him so long? Yep. Yeah, it took him so long to kind of like get it, you know. But, but that's uh, I mean, we saw it. Look at like Tanaka had some sick seasons when he came over with his splitter. So like we've seen that splitter work for quite some time now. So that conversation has me like a little bit of more optimism on Casey Mize because he he's got a. A pretty wicked splitter. So maybe my does my Ada throw a splitter? I'm just assuming because he's Japanese, he throws. A yeah, splitter. I is think I think he does. Is that racist? No. It's, <laughs> if anything, it's stereotyping. <laughs> uh, dude throws a splitter. It's his primary pitch. So boom. Yeah, th- there th- you go. Those two things have to be related. <laughs> yeah, thirty-two percent of the time, splitter for Kenta Maeda. <laughs> Guarantee that was not an accident. Yeah. So, uh, moving from John Gray, let's talk about Paul Skeens. That's my number 72 pitcher. This is a guy that I wanted to talk about. Because Skeens, where, how good he's going to be this season all depends on the workload he's going to get, in my opinion. Like, is, if he breaks opening day, he's going to probably bump up in my rankings, like, two tiers. Like, if he's an opening day starter, I'm going to have him probably around where, like, Brian Wu and Shane Boz are. Like, why wouldn't I? You know what I mean? Like Cole Reagans, like, okay. If they like, let me give you this scenario. If they announce that Skeens is making the opening day roster, are you taking Cole Reagans or Paul Skeens? Reagans. Are you taking Bryce Miller or Paul Skeens? I'm pretty, I'm like, you're going to have to go way deeper than that before I take Skeens. I'm going to take Bryce Miller. or Skeens? That you're getting closer. Probably uh, Tristan McKenzie or Paul Skeens? <sighs> McKenzie. Fought or Skeens? Oh, there you go. Skeens. Yep. <laughs> All right. That's around like Fott's my pitcher 52. So I was you're basically say taking Skeens yeah. at like 50 or something if he's in uh, opening day. I'm trying to stay pessimistic on prospects. But like, it's hard. <laughs> like if he if he balls out in spring training and they just like let him be their number three starter or whatever, it's gonna be tough. The eighty, Skeens, he's gonna be going in the top twenty. Dude, he's so good. Okay, so like my F scores, the way that I have p- rookie pitchers, like my correlations, which are like I do massive correlation tables. Like my correlations show that the jump from AAA to MLB is just so bad. Like, there's it, there's it, my F scores will ding any rookie pretty hard, and they still have schemes with a 111, sorry, 111 stuff, 104 control, and 112 FERA. And that's like that's dinging him pretty hard. So, 111 stuff that I mean, he still only has three pitches, he doesn't. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, 
think about it. That puts him basically like it, it, we were just talking about Nicola Dolo. Nicola Dolo is 112 stuff, 103 control, and 86 FERA. More or less, the difference between Lodolo and Skeens is that Skeens is likely to give up less runs. And part of that is the fact that Lodolo has to pitch a lot in Cincinnati. And Skeens gets to pitch in Pittsburgh, which is a pretty good pitcher's park. So there's like a massive park shift between the two guys. Yeah, I just – I think I'm willing to be late on the pitching prospects because if they don't break opening day, you don't know when they're going to come up. You don't know what the workload restrictions are going to be. It's like it's like whatever good you get in the middle is sandwiched by bad, right? You don't know when they're coming up, and then you don't know how many innings they're going to throw when you need them the most. So – yeah, I'm going to try and be cognizant of my own bias, which is that I love prospects, and I'm going to try not to overdraft them. Well, one of the things about Skeens is he pitched a like he pitched 122 and two-thirds innings in college last year. And then with the minors, he pitched about 130 innings. So, like, it's not out of the question that he could pitch 160 innings. As long as he's healthy – there's no reason why he couldn't pitch that kind of workload this year. Other than they want to ease him into professional baseball. Yeah, but they pick, I feel like they picked Skeens ahead of Langford and Dylan Cruz, and he only has so many bullets. I feel like that's like if you play around with him too much in a minors, it's kind of like a fuck around and find out situation. Like, I feel like when you are going to jump this guy ahead of those types of hitters and with the success that Linkford has had in the minors and like Walker Jenkins and just Dylan Cruz's being like everyone thought he should be the number one guy. I think that you can't, you can't waste too many bullets in the minors because what's going to happen if they have schemes in the minors and then he gets hurt before he comes up, all the fans are going to be so pissed off. Andrew like, Abbott. I, yeah, they. I think I feel like they just need to like for what they did in that draft and for how good the other players are. I feel like there's not an excuse. They just have to. Break they it. have to justify it by playing him. Yeah. Also, that's my, that's my opinion. We, we haven't seen. We don't have a large sample size of the new rookie of the year. You get draft picks for winning awards rules, so like. Teams have been pretty They're, aggressive about it, dude. Look teams have been pretty aggressive. I mean, certain teams have been more aggressive than others, but, like, if you think he's going to be up by May, why not just do it on opening day? Especially, yeah. especially like, for a starter where you can, like, Pittsburgh if you're worried two. about. Pittsburgh, two plays games. Yeah. Every year, they're, yeah, one of those teams. they're one of those teams, just like Baltimore, that, like, when they picked Henry Davis – Henry Davis, like there were other alternatives and yeah. people like people were like, Oh, they picked Henry Davis so that they could pick another guy in round two. Like whoever it was, they said, didn't they like shatter the record for number one overall money too. So like they paid him. So yeah. yeah, like you said, it all depends on if he, when he comes up and how he looks in spring training and what they're talking about with his workload, but the talents there, we all know it. Yeah, the next guy I wanted to talk about is number 79, Reed Demers. 
this was a big miss for me, dude. Like, I feel like I we had were. a lot of big hits, like preseason last year. But Detmers, I want to. I don't know if I called a miss. I just feel like it's like a bleh. because, like, I had him around like pitcher sixty or something like that, and now I've got him at pitcher seventy nine. So it's not like he's like he was terrible last year, but he just didn't break out the way that I thought he was going to. And I feel like I think you and Gabe were also on the De- team Detmers with me last year, but like his F scores now are one hundred two stuff, ninety four control, ninety seven FERA. But he still has a lot of potential. Like when I put the F scores in, he still has a ninety. Even though the F score comes out to be ninety six, he still has a one hundred seven future F score. So there's still a good amount of potential there. Yeah, he just lets so many people on base. Like he's got to figure out. He's got to figure out the control, and how to limit base runners. Like both sides of the ball, giving up hits and walks because he's got legitimate swing and miss stuff. I remember I remember talking about his changeup as like one of the best swing and miss pitches in baseball. I don't remember if it was last year or the second half of the year before, but he's got plus plus stuff. He just he's got to become like a complete pitcher. And that's a really, really hard thing to A quantify and B it's even harder to do. But the tools are there. I'll probably fall into this trap again. Dude, yeah, I'm this learning, is I'm, this, this I'm is taking so a shot. Yeah, this is look at this. This is so interesting. He had a twenty six point one percent K rate, which is thirty first in the majors. But his CSW was twenty eight point four, which is ninety second in the majors, and he had like a lackluster twelve point two percent swing strike rate. So the K rate is a lot higher. Then like the CSW and the swing strike rate, which kind of, I don't know, just trying to figure that out. I'm like, something's off with, to me, something's just off with the pitch mix. You know what I mean? Like he's K-ing a good amount of guys. So that's a good thing. So maybe that means like he's got a nice like out pitch because the curve in the, he has got a pretty good curve and the slider kind of regressed from last year. Like it was a lot better in 2022 than in 2023. Like second half of 2022, the slider was better than in 2023. So I think he's got like a good coffin pitch where you can finish people off. But I don't know. I don't, I guess I don't watch enough Detmers to see if he plays around too much. And that's why the walk rates up or if like he just plays around out of the zone too much, which is why the string swinging strike rate and CSW aren't as high as they should be to match the K rate. Like, I don't know. What are your thoughts on that? Cause that, when I saw that, I was like, that's something's weird about that. I think I've had shares of him the last two years. And it's just like, you know, Otani obviously trying to watch as many Angels games as possible. He's just like inefficient with his pitches. Like, it seems like he's always going deep into counts. Uh, Batters are always following off pitches against him. And so he's got Jack Flaherty syndrome. Yeah, that's that's kind of a good way to say it. Like he's just ineffective, I guess is what I would say. But like his breaking stuff is legitimately excellent. Yeah. So he's just he's just kind of figure out like how to how to pitch. Yep. Not throw. <laughs> it's yeah, the same thing with the next guy. You wanted to talk about Taj Bradley. It's like the exact same thing with Bradley. 
So Bradley has a 105 stuff, 99 control, 90 FERA. In Tampa, that's so weird, the 90 FERA. Like you would think, because most people will talk about how the batter's eye is weird there. It's hard to hit there, blah, blah, blah. So like Bradley struggling is just interesting. Like this is such a, so weird to me. 382 Sierra, 559 ERA. Like how does that happen? (laughs) Yeah, what? (laughs) <laughs> so like also uh he had a 28 percent k rate that's 18th in all of baseball so he was stri- he was striking out so many guys and like his fastball is really good like he's got a really sick fastball and even the changeup was really good last year like the changeup had a 32.8 percent csw which is really high for a changeup um i just I don't know, dude. Like, people just shell him for some reason. Like, 1.98 homers per nine. Like, that is, you do not want him in odd new with <laughs> like right. giving up homers like that. And even in AAA, even when he went down to the minors, they demoted him in the middle of the season. He still was giving up 2.15 homers per nine in the minors. So, like, what's up? Like, how, how can you strike out so many guys yet be so hittable at the same time? Like, what's going on with this profile? His XERA was like 1.15 runs less than his actual ERA, but it was still almost four and a half. But like, yeah, I think it's the same thing. Like, I think there was some uh, mental stuff. Like I said, the last podcast, like they sent him down when he didn't really deserve to be sent down. So I think that kind of, you know, pissed him off. But yeah, he gave up 23 home runs and 104 innings. That is not a way to live. Yeah, it's like baby Lance Lynn. He's like a young Lance. (laughs) I just feel like at the cost, like, I'm going to be buying some of these guys. So There's going to be positive regression there. There has to be. with Between that Sierra and that XERA versus the ERA, like, there has to be some really strong positive regression. But he just still has to get those homers down, you know? I I vaguely remember talking about like, weren't they trying to mess with his pitch mix when they sent him down? Well, like, he pitches. Th- these are his pitches: fastball, cutter, changeup, slide, like curve, and he barely pitches the curve. It's straight, straight, straight. Like, dude needs to develop a sweeper. Like, send this guy to drive line and get this guy a sweeper. And it, it doesn't even matter. Just throw that sweeper twenty percent of the time. Go get a sweeper, dude, and play against that fastball. And then all of a sudden, this guy's going to be a top 20 starter. Yeah, I'd love for that to happen. Hopefully, he's doing it. That's what he should do. That's what I would he's do. Got an, he's <laughs> got an above average fastball. So, he's got he a really honestly, good fastball. I think he throws it. What, what does he throw? Like 96, 97? Yeah, 96 average. He should honestly throw his fastball more. But yeah, I don't know. I think him and, him and Reed Detmers are pretty good comps and I would be I'm going to be targeting I think them as upside guys in this range yeah by lows Max Meyer this is a guy I wanted to talk about number 82 coming back from injury with the Marlins apparently the Marlins are looking to trade a starter and that may be the reason why Meyer was a top 10 prospect in most circles before the injury he came up and pitched like he pitched one start did pretty well second start like the first inning tj peace 
Uh, I was just going to say, stuff. can you remind everyone what the injury was? But you did. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, TJ. He was out for a year and a half. But he's going to be fully healthy to start the year next year. 108 stuff, 104 control, 118 FERA. And if you don't remember, he was also picked like number two overall or something. So this is a high pedigree guy, former top prospect coming off of TJ. Like besides the TJ, there was nothing bad that happened here for Max Meyer. Um, obviously, he's going to have to build up innings. But besides him building up innings, I think that there's a lot to like in this profile. And I feel like there's a lot of value here because people have forgotten about him. What are your thoughts on Max Meyer? Yeah, I agree with a lot of that. I think I think the post-TJ buy window is something that should be exploited, especially when it's the year and a half already. The only, the yeah, only concern is... 24. Like, go get him in Dynasty Leagues. <laughs> right. The only concern is he doesn't really have a spot right now. And also, like you mentioned, the workload. But, dude, I just feel... Don't you think Cabrera is just destined for the bullpen? Mm, or trade. I, I don't know. They're, apparently, they're talking about possibly moving Lazardo too. They've been talking about maybe moving Rodgers. They have so many guys that, like, they can afford to move another starter. And I feel like that's the only way they, they acquire hitters. Their entire minor mm-hmm. league development is, like, all on pitching, and they're just atrocious at developing hitting. So that's just how they have to – that's how they have to acquire their talent. Just build. They have a pitching factory, then they trade pitchers from the factory for hitters. Yeah, maybe they'll trade a starter to the Reds. That would maybe make sense. But the Reds said that they're not making any more big moves this season. That came out like a couple hours ago. Mm-hmm. I don't understand they're done. how they do things. Um, they're done. No, but Kyle, yeah, I definitely no think that, especially he's one of these guys you should target in your home leagues because they probably your buddies have forgotten about him. Um, yep. He's probably, I don't know. I guess I would, I want to say safe, but that's probably not the right word. Like we haven't seen him be bad and we're not waiting. Like you talk about Taj and Reed Detmers, like they need to fix something before they can break out. Like he hasn't shown that yet. Like he just needs to be on the field. So there's yeah, still, he- yeah, exactly. Dude, when he was pitching, I mean, he only pitched like six innings or whatever, but his yeah. slider in his small sample side had, had, had a 41.5% CSW. There were, there were a lot of people saying that his slider was the best pitch in the I remember minors hearing that. Minors, when yeah. He, yeah, when he was a prospect. And I know the Welsh has always talked has talked about this. He said he interviewed Nolan Gorman and asked, who is the best pitcher you face in the minors? And he said Max Meyer. And Nolan Gorman's pretty solid. So take that for what it's worth. Um, Slider had a 42% whiff rate in those six innings. I don't know if you said that, but that's ridiculous. Yeah, it's insane. That's pre-sweeper, too. Uh, You get a sweeper and a slider like Bryce Miller and see it. 83, you want to talk about Yusei Kikuchi. Yusei, we say Kikuchi. What's up with you? Why do you like Yusei Kikuchi? Kikuchi? He's just another one of those guys that, like, he's not going to murder you. I think he's – I don't know. He had a 3.86 ERA last year, 1.27 whip, more than a strikeout per inning, started 32 games. Like, if I miss out on John Gray in a deep league, like, he's just a safe 
He's the definition of safe. Dude, by like, far his best season last year. 19% K minus walk rate. Like he only walked 6.9% of guys. Before he before that season, he was walking like 10 to 12% of guys. So I think for Kikuchi, the main thing is that he just has to not walk people and he will be good. So as long as he maintains that control, then I agree. This probably you could even buy him a little bit higher. But even based on his track record, his F control is still 97. He's got a 108 F stuff, 97 F control, 107 F ERA. So if he can show that that control that he did last year is like legit, then that means that makes him a way better pitcher than where I have him value. Because remember the F scores are based on the previous three years. Right. So um, that might push like if he continues the gains that he made, because basically he cut his walk rate in half last year. Yeah. If he can do yeah. that again, like he's probably you could he could provide value a tier higher, like in the fifty to sixty range rather than like the eighty range. This K rate came down a little bit too, so like, I don't know, maybe he was not, I don't know, maybe he was being a little bit more intentional with his off or his arsenal. So, yeah, I didn't know that about his walk rate, to be honest with you, but yeah, I mean, if you have him and he's just walking everybody the first month of the season, you're not going to, you're not going to be so heavily invested that you have to ride it out all season. Yep. Next guy, Kyle Harrison. This is a guy we both wanted to talk about. Uh, 105 stuff, 93 control. Everybody knows, like, I've always, when we did my prospect podcasts, I my comp that I always gave you guys was, like, he's somewhere between, I think I said he's somewhere between Nick Lodolo and D.L. Hall. <laughs> this is, like, <laughs> the comp I gave. Because I'm just, like, his stuff is insane, but, like, where is his control going to end up? Uh, so, Kyle Harrison... Coming up, she should get a full season in the majors this year. 105 stuff, 93 control, 101 FERA. And Harrison, uh, dude, he threw the fastball 61% of the time last year. And he had a 30% CSW on his fastball, which is pretty insane. So I don't necessarily blame him for that. Like his fastball is one of the better fastballs in baseball. Uh, also has a really sick curve. And he only threw his slider 2% of the time, even though it was he got a 40% CSW on the slider. And a lot of people, like, I know, I know his slider is good. Like, I've seen it in the minors. So, like, he needs to – I think the reason he wasn't throwing in the majors is because he knows that it's a harder pitch to control, and he was just trying to come up and, like, not walk the world when he came up because we did see an increased, like, a – a better walk rate when he came up and like toward the end of his minor league stint. So I think if he can try to harness that slider a little better and work on that in spring and then play that into his pitch mix, we're going to see a better pitcher in general. And like Harrison has very high upside. This guy, 93 F score, 104 future F score. So there's a lot of room for growth here this year. Um, obviously you like him a little bit too. So what do you think? Yeah, I think, I think the giants are, a team I want to bet on when it comes to developing pitchers um, between him and Carson Wisenhunt. I think they've got two fantasy studs coming up pretty soon. I mean, it's a great place to pitch. And like you said, the stuff is, I don't know, the stuff is exciting enough that, that I'm buying in. I mean, he struck out 35 and 34 innings, so he's at least a strikeout per inning and, 
Yeah, yeah. I don't he, know. Sh- he just... should do much. Like with his, he pitching, should be better. Like, yeah. he should be better than that. Like he, like for instance, in the Double A in twenty twenty two, he had a thirty six point four percent K rate. Like that's he got with absolutely 14.9% torched <laughs> by lefties in the majors. Small sample size, but yeah, still. small sample yeah. size. I mean, even in Triple A last year, in thirty in sixty five innings. He's had a 35.6% K rate in AAA. And, That's ridiculous. Yeah, and based on my correlation tables, you should see around an 8% decrease in K rate from double or triple to MLB when they make the jump. So that means that we should be able to predict somewhere around like a 28%, 27-28% K rate for Harrison, which is elite. Like that's that's phenomenal. The only thing is like he can't like also in AAA, he had a sixteen point three percent walk rate. That ain't mm-hmm. gonna fly in Major League Baseball. Like, no way, no how. So he's just he's got to right. cut that in half. That's gonna be an eight. If he has an eight percent walk rate and a twenty eight percent K rate, that's insane. But that's possible with a guy like him. Like that's something that he could actually do around like his peak once he starts settling in. Right. Like in this range, you're not talking about the 99th percentile outcome with these guys. You're just hoping they can take a step further to being the best version of themselves. Yep. So, so you want yeah. to talk about Dustin May next, 85. Even though the guy's only going to play half a season, I still have that's, him ranked 85th. <laughs> that's why I want to talk about him. Nobody loves Dustin May more than I do. I think that's been pretty well established, but like, you have him so high, and there's absolutely no guarantee that we see him when we think we're going to see him. And so I just wanted to, like, sprinkle some cold water on the, like, there's a whole gaggle of guys I put in the notes of, like, if you're just, like, coming back halfway through the season, there's so many things that could go wrong between now and then. And, like, Chris Tower says all the time, there's a difference between the potential for injury and actively being hurt. And so like drafting these guys who are currently hurt is just giving me pause. So I just wanted to say like, be careful, I guess. Yeah. It depends on your league type, dude. Like if I'm in a redraft league, I'm not going to draft Dustin May, (laughs) you know, like I'm just not going to draft him at all in a redraft. But also, but if you're in any keeper league of any sort, like there's, hidden value in getting the, in, getting the injured guy when they're injured because you're buying at the low point. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's like, that's right. like buying Tesla after Elon says something stupid, you know, it's going to go back up whenever it forgets Elon said something stupid, but <laughs> like he, he does it all the time. He does it like once a year, he'll go, he'll say something dumb. Tesla stock will tank. And then I'm like, okay, okay. Now's the time to buy a shitload of Tesla. And then I buy it. And then everyone forgets about it a week later because something else happens. And then Tesla goes back up again. So, but I also wanted to say, like, you're right around SP 86, 90 here. Like, there's a good chance he goes undrafted in 10 team leagues. And so, like, Dustin May, Max Scherzer, uh, Kershaw, he signs, like, uh, Robbie Ray. If your league has five, three or five IL spots, like, try and pick these guys up, like draft them with your last few picks, move them to your IL spot and just pick up somebody else week one and just see what happens. So like, depending on what type of, 
depending on what type of league you're in, in your league settings, like, it's so funny. It's either, like, a hard avoid or, like, target these guys. Yeah. So, the last guy in this tier we want, I wanted to talk about, number 93, Trevor Rogers with the Marlins. Should be back fully healthy this year. Uh, a couple of years ago, Rogers had that awesome rookie debut. What was that, 2021? Last year, he didn't have a good year. Um, and then the beginning of this year, I have I had him on a team and he started off rough, but then the last few starts before he got hurt, he looked like he was figuring things out and then he got hurt. So like I'm betting at this point on a Trevor Rogers comeback. And I feel like at 93, I'm probably high on him still. I bet most people mm-hmm. have him outside of like the top 150 because they've just like forgotten about him or they think he's toast. But he's still young. He's on the Marlins. 106 F stuff, 100 F control, 118 FERA. Like, he still projects out if he plays. He's a really good pitcher. Like, he's got a 93 F score and a 114 future F score. A couple of years ago, after that 2021 season, we were talking about him as, like, a top 20, 30 starter. And then mm-hmm. I feel like he got he had a bad year, then he got hurt. So, now everyone's just like, ah, he's out. It's, I mean, like, we could see that it's almost like Manoa, right? Like, everyone's going to be out of Manoa now, too. But, like... There's a good chance, and we'll talk about it next year. There's a good chance that he bounces back. So, what do you mean about Rogers, real quick, before we move to the next year? We're gonna have to fly through this next year because I want to try to get <laughs> some guys in and finish this podcast in the next 20 minutes or so. Um, yeah, I think you're right. Most guys have forgotten about him. He's like outside the uh, 380 p, and he's like SP 96. So, yeah, I would say you are pretty high on him, but. I mean, there's a reason they're shopping Lazardo and others, right? It's because they have too many. They see the value. They think he's going to be good. And I think listening to what the team tells you is sound fantasy advice. So, yeah, I, I'd be in. Yeah. Uh, next tier, we have number 94. So this is sp 94 through sp 124 i'm gonna read the names off real quick and then we'll bounce up to your guys i'm not even gonna talk about your guys i'm just gonna let you go so 94 kyle gibson 95 brady singer 96 christopher sanchez 97 michael waka 98 james paxson as a placeholder because he hasn't signed yet 99 sawyer gibson long 100 edward cabrera 101 kate horton 102 miles michaelis 103, Zach Littell. 104, Dane Dunning. 105, Alex Cobb. 106, Aaron Ashby. 107, Seth Lugo. 108, Louis Varland. 109, Dean Kramer. 110, Joe Boyle. 111, Alec Manoa. 112, Robert Gasser. 113, Clayton Kershaw. 114, Luis Garcia. 115, Robbie Ray. 116, Drew Thorpe. 117, Max Scherzer. 118, Andrew Abbott. 119, John Means. 120, Jose Quintana. 121, Ranger Suarez. 122, Taewon Walker. 123, Tyler Anderson. 124, Matt Manning. First guy you want to talk about is number 96, Christopher Sanchez. F scores are 98 stuff, 110 control, 102 FERA. Why did you want to talk about Sir Christopher? So he is was 97th percentile in chase rate, 98th percentile in walk rate, 95th percentile in ground ball rate. And, like, his K-minus walk rate was 20%. Uh, his ex, his expected stats back up pretty much what he did. Through 100 innings, uh, 96 strikeouts, so not quite a strikeout per inning 
like I always try and try and get. But three point four year array on a pretty good Phillies team. So like I don't think we know exactly how he's gonna end up being used if he's gonna be in the rotation all season, but I don't know. I think he'll get at least hundred and twenty innings of uh pretty good baseball. Pretty good yeah. So he was really good last year, and like I, he was never good before that, which is why the S score is lower. Because there's not, there's no track record of him being good in the minors. There's no track record of him being good in the majors. And even in AAA last year in Philadelphia, he was still crappy. So how is he bad in AAA Philadelphia? I know that it, like I think it's AAA Reading, and it's supposed to be a big time hitters park. But he had a 4.35 ERA there and a 5.42 xFIP. Uh, with only a 6.8% K minus walk rate in AAA last year and f- almost 50 innings. So I just like no track record and it wasn't even good in the minors last year. So how the hell is he all of a sudden <laughs> this good? Like to me, it just makes no sense. And right. I don't know. Hard it's to, risky because I'm just like, what's going to happen here? Cause he was awesome. Right. In the major. But like the cost is almost nothing. And like, we're as an industry declaring Tariq Skubal is like SP eight based on 80 innings. And like he had a hundred innings where he was pretty freaking good. So like, I think if you can do one, you can do the other. So like, and like, I get it. Skubal had pedigree and blah, blah, blah. But I just, I don't know for the price I'm willing to take, I'm willing to take the risk. Just don't expect a ton of strikeouts. But the contact, hard contact suppression and the vol not necessarily the volume, but yeah, yeah I don't if, know. If you can I get him as like an SP six or seven, then why not? I guess. Yeah, I'd I'd be fine with him as like SP five, honestly. Hmm. I don't think I would be that high on him, but to each their own. Your next guy, Sawyer Gibson Long, obviously Detroit uh, killer F scores. Uh, to me, like I had him way higher, but he—I just had to bury him because he, the he doesn't have a spot. Him. Yeah, yeah, he doesn't have a spot. And actually, on uh, FanGraphs, like when you look at the the projections, they've all got him as a reliever now. Um, one thirteen stuff, one hundred two control, one hundred nine FERA. So, Tigers fan, what's up with SGL? Yeah, so he doesn't have a spot, like you mentioned, but. He does have a splitter, which I'm starting to fall in love with. And we know that the Tigers love to do weird shit, like, even if we don't always know what it's going to be. So, like, just because the Tigers have five starters doesn't mean they're not going to rock a six-man or bullpen days, and he still somehow gets 120 innings. So I think I think in Super Deep Leagues, your 15-teamers, you know, 20-teamers that we're in, He's worth a, he's worth a late, a late look. Yeah. Um, my guy, my next guy, I've got Kate Horton, number one hundred one, one twenty F stuff, one hundred six F control, one thirteen FERA, and that's like literally those numbers are better than Skeens, but he doesn't have the durability built up of Skeens. Um. I have him as a top 25 prospect and he's my number three starting pitcher to Skeens and Shane Boz. I think Kate Horton is just straight up the shit. 
My comp for him is Hunter Brown, actually. Um, dude, I think this guy's going to be stud. In the minors, last year, between A, high A, and double A, he only pitched 88 innings, but he had 117 Ks, only 27 oh my walks, God. 265 ERA, and a one whip, 100 whip. Um, and he's an athlete. Dude was like an Oklahoma quarterback in college. So, like, uh, this guy's a stud. Like, he's just going to straight up be a stud. And kind of like I said with Skeens and the Pirates, like, the Cubs have not been aggressive this offseason. They basically missed all the pitchers, and they're letting, or they have to this point, let Stroman walk. So there's a solid chance Cade Horton is going to have a opportunity to try to get a starting pitcher spot. I mean, like, he still has to compete against, like, Ben Brown and some of the other young guys they have. But, like there's a non-zero chance that he could break camp. Yeah, I mean, he only threw, like, 88 innings in the minors last year, but um, the dude's 6-1. That is a crazy strikeout total. Oh, my God. He's good. Um, he's, he's really good. <laughs> I like your proximity argument. Like, the Cubs are kind of backing themselves into a corner. And uh, uh, once I think we saw last year, once you get to double A, anything can happen. So, yeah, yeah, I wouldn't expect more than 100. I think 120 innings is probably above the ceiling. But, yeah, I'd, maybe 100. Yeah. Would probably and I mean, when you're, picking, when you're picking and you're looking at your Zach Littells and Miles Michaelis's and Kate Horton is there. Like, just one name is way sexier than the others. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, you have Dane Dunning, my number 104 starting pitcher. Talk about Dunning. I just I, – I don't know. I don't think anyone thought Dunning was going to do what he did last year, and he ended up throwing, what, like 180 innings for the World Series champs. So they need him. You talk about, like, backing – not necessarily backing yourselves into a corner, but – they don't really have any other options. So he's going to be in that rotation, taking the ball every fifth day. So uh, he Andy's a spark. 172 innings last year. I was just about to say Andy's a spark. I don't know if he's a 3.7 ERA guy. Like I would expect that to be closer to four. But like this late, that much volume I think is attractive. Yeah, I think he's just points league. This guy is like points league. Yes, I would not yeah. want to own him in like a regular like I would not own him in a twelve team or I would not want to own him really in a roto league. But in any points league, like he's got mm-hmm. a lot of he's got a significant amount of value in points leagues. Mm-hmm. I traded him in FAI. Yeah, but the, well, the thing is in FAI because odd news rules, you can't play yeah, you spark. Get, There's no spark, you can't, so yeah. it and like, limits the value a little bit. FAA is all about maximizing your opportunities because you can only get eight starts in a week. But, yeah, other leagues where you can, you know, get 10, 12, 14. Yeah, where you can just put as many volume, guys as you Volume your way to. Yep. Yeah. Uh, next guy I wanted to talk about, Aaron Ashby, 106. Uh, Ashby has a 112 stuff, 96 control, 139 FERA. With Woodruff going down, and then the Brewers trading Hauser, like Ashby is pretty much locked in for a rotation spot at this point. 
pending injury. Like, let's knock on some wood here, right? Uh, I, I think you and I, like, you were on the Ashby train last year, and, like, you and I were both on it, like, as long as he's healthy. What do you think about Ashby? Are you on the Ashby train this year? I don't – I don't think – I guess in a super deep league, I can you can talk me into it, but I don't think the Brewers are counting on him for anything. And like I said earlier, I think you should listen when teams tell you things. And uh, yeah, I want him to be good. That uh, that ground ball rate is so tantalizing, but he lets too many people on base. Um, yeah, I don't know. I he just I'd want to see it. Like in in your twelve team league, he's probably going undrafted. So, are you drafting but. Paul Skeens or Aaron Ashby? Skeens. All right, next guy I want to talk about Louis Varland. Varland also looks to have a rotation spot this year. He had uh, in the middle of the season a pretty nice run with the Twins before they had too many pitchers again, and he got relegated. But Sonny Gray moved on, so Louis Varland gets the spot. Uh, 105 stuff, 108 control, 92 FERA. Here's another guy who was giving up a lot of hits, and it was kind of weird, and you're like, what's going on here? Because the metrics showed a much better player. Um, so Varland getting the full run. He's going to be 26 next year. He had a 463 ERA last year and a 377 Sierra. So almost a one-run differential between the ERA and the Sierra. I think we're going to see some nice stuff from Varland unless there's just like something weird about his fastball shape or something where it gets hit. Maybe like what happens with Taj. Like, I feel like it's just kind of like a, this is like another version of what's happening to Taj Varland, but like a tear down. What do you think? Yeah, I do. I just feel like everyone on the twins has a fastball problem. Um, except for Pablo Lopez, except for Pablo Lopez, but no, I, yeah, I mean, if he has a rotation spot, he's about a strikeout per inning. Decent whip. He's yeah, yeah nineteen point nineteen point one 19.1% K-walk minus rate last year. I was just dude about throws, to say pretty – Dude throws almost 96. Pretty like, elite walk rate. Yeah. Good enough K rate. Yeah, I could, I could see him being serviceable. Okay, here's the big one. Here's the big turd in your in your wedding punch. Uh, number one eleven, Alec Manoa. Uh, I my F scores are not projecting good things for him. Ninety seven stuff, ninety two control, one thirteen FERA. Where where are you on Manoa? Is he going to bounce back or is he just toast? Was, did we have an aberration when he was good? Like what's up with this guy? He was too good for last year to be who he really is. I think, right? Like, he was rookie of the year candidate. Like, like if you filter on Baseball Savant, you can filter by year and see his percentile ranks. Like, one of these things isn't like the other. 21 and 22 were right on par with each other, and 23 is just out of the blue. Dude, I so think I would... he was never as good as what we thought he was. I yes, mean, that always, might be true, but like I don't his think ERA, he's as bad as he was last year. He's like an opposite Taj Bradley. His ERA in 2021 was 322, and his Sierra was 388. In, 2020, or in 2021, sorry. 2022, his ERA was 224, and his Sierra was 385. And like, in 2021, he had a 27% carry, which is elite. 
But then last year or 2022, it went down to 22%, which is only okay. That's like, it's like meh. Um, but if you're going to get you're hit up, five. it's not that great. And then last year, just uh, the walk rate doubled, which I think he could fix that. Right. Yeah. Like I, I, I think he could be, I think he could bounce back to be not atrocious, but I feel like at best case scenario in like, I hate to compare him to Lance Lynn because they're both like big dudes. chubby bearded guys. Yeah. But like, I feel like that's like his best case scenario is like a Lance. Lynn I was good. I was going to say like those really annoying years of Sunny gray was the comp I was going to throw out, but like, there's a picture in between those good years and what he did last year. I think most of it was mental. Like his K minus walk rate last year was five point eight. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, you can't make a living like that. So if he can get the if he can get the mental side of it under control and they give him the opportunities, maybe he's like a four ERA guy with some strikeouts. So I don't know. I'm going to definitely want to see it. I'm not buying him in anything other than like dynasty or keepers where like you can get him late. You can get him late this year and then reap the benefits next year. So I, I hope, I hope so. He's a fun player. A lot of tattoos. Nice beard. Yeah. Yeah. And he's in your face too. Fun to watch. Mm -hmm. Yeah. He's Uh, a bulldog or whatever they say. Yeah. He's got the dog in him, that's for sure. Uh, 116, Drew Thorpe. This is my number four ranked starting pitcher on my prospect rankings, which are going to come out soon. I think I've got him in the top 30. Uh, this, these numbers are ridiculous. 128 F stuff. I don't think that's – I mean, like, temper these Good God. a little bit. But 128 F stuff. 114 F control, 134 F ERA. For a 109 F score and a 118 future F score. And obviously the Padres just got him for Juan Soto. I don't think he's going to break camp or he's projected to, but I think he's like their number six guy and he's going to be up sooner rather than later because he did pitch in double A last year. Last season in 139 innings. So he does, he does have an innings amount built up. He pitched 182. He had 182 K's. With only 38 walks, a 252 ERA, and a 0.98 whip. So um, I comped him to like George Kirby Light. I, I kind of like, I was like, he's like a George Kirby. Like, he's not as good as George Kirby, at least not yet. And then he's like a better Chris Paddock. It's kind of like what he is because he's a fastball changeup guy. And like, Remember Paddock had those like insane seasons in the minors before he came up and then he mm-hmm. was also Padre and it was fastball changeup. but then, and he, he was pretty good his rookie year, but then he got kind of like beat up a little bit because Thorpe is also a fastball changeup guy. Like he has a slider. Um, Paddock never had that third pitch. So I think that's going to be the differentiator, um, but he has really good control for a pitcher of like being a minors pitcher. So I think that's where he gets a lot of his success is the control. Um, I'm a big Thorpe guy. Number four on my pitching prospect list. What do you think? Yeah. I think the most encouraging thing is like they let him go. I guess he's in a different organization now, but he's going seven, eight innings consistently throughout his season last year. Kind of faded towards the end. So maybe they were uh, 
his longest starts were in June, July, and early August. So maybe he, uh, maybe they were teetering him off or whatever, watching his innings late. But yep. And yeah. here, here for reference, dude, his, is the Padres rotation dude, next year. It's Musgrove, Darvish, King, and then Randy Vasquez and Pedro Avila. So it's not like he has a lot even, to overcome to get into that rotation. Don't even read off four and five. Like, <laughs> he had 182 strikeouts in 139 career minor league innings. Oh, dude, That's the Padres got Luis Patino back? I didn't know that. Yeah. That's funny. Yeah. <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> That's AJ Preller. AJ always says yeah. AJ guys, you know, <laughs> like mm-hmm. Profar. Is Profar going to end up being a Padre again? <laughs> Who knows? Yep. Okay. You have two more guys before we round out this podcast. You've got uh, number 118, Andrew Abbott, and number 119, John Meads. Abbott, 101 stuff, 93 control, 86 FERA. Obviously, Cincinnati bringing that down. John Means, 94 stuff, 126 control, which is phenomenal. And everyone knows John Means under one whip and four or five ERA, right? Then 102 102 FERA. So I know you're like Mr. John Means, um, but Abbott Means, go. Yeah, Abbott, I just, I I don't know. He kept proving me wrong last year, and so he's probably one of the most consistent I guess I don't know if I want to use that word guys this late that you'll see in these rankings like young guy threw 110 innings last year so that's projectable to 130 140 this year more than a strikeout per inning obviously you got to deal with the great American ballpark but I think he's good enough I guess and then yeah John Means big John Means guy but only in you know points and super D 20 team 15 team leagues um, I was just really encouraged that he came back last year and was throwing seven or eight innings uh, semi-consistently. He, uh, The strikeouts weren't there. I don't know if they'll ever be there. So, like I said, he might be more of a points league guy, but that volume that late I think is really attractive. Yeah, Abbott, the thing to me is he's got to get the walk rate down a bit. 9.6% walk rate. Like his K rate was, was good last year. He's, he's got to get the walk rate down because he does give up homers. Even the minors, like AAA is giving up homers. So he's got to work on – and in Great American Small Park, you're going to give up homers. So if yeah, you're going to you give up gotta, homers, you want to give up the solo shots. You want to give up – Can't have anybody uh, You don't want to walk a guy and then give up a, uh, a homer. So, like, the thing is you just got to limit the walks a little bit more, I think, and that's going to make him better. That's what he – I think needs to work on in going into this next year. Um, and then, yeah, dude, means is going to give you a salt. You, like, you know, you're going to get a good whip from John means. Like he's going to give you a good K minus walk rate, but he's just not going to strike guys out. Like he had a small yeah. sample size last year, so I don't even care, but his career K rate is only 20.6%. That's not great, but 106 but whip his, is phenomenal. So what's his K minus walk rate. I bet it's still like 18. 15.6 because he only walks yeah. 5% in his career. So, I That's mean, like, so yeah, he's solid. Like, I would, like, he's a good back end rotation stabilizer. Mm-hmm. Um, but I th- like a couple of years ago when there was the whole John means business thing, like, he was like, pitching, <laughs> like a top 40 or 50 starter. And I just think that's an aberration. 
Um, if you're drafting him in the 80s, 90s, sure, dude. Like John Meats, right? I was just really encouraged that he came back and they first start out, they let him go five innings. Like, yeah. We did it, dude. We made it, we made it to 125. (laughs) I think we got like one more pitching process, uh, pitching podcast to wrap up the super, super deeply guys. And we can just kind of roll them all into one pod. And do you have a Raymondism for tonight? For I don't, dude. I I have a mission. I I don't have any that go that are about baseball. Oh, so sad. Anyway, this I'll give a Raymondism. That's not really Raymondism. It's just that uh, TGFBI signups are on. So TGFBI, if you produce fantasy content, go sign up. Join the league. You can play Raymond. You can play me. You can play. Justin Mason, Chris Welsh, Paul Spore, Scott White, all your favorite fantasy, Lance Brad, uh, whatever, however you say his last name. Lance Brazdowski. <laughs> yeah. Mike you can, Wazowski. Mike Wazowski. Dude, my, my kids were up. When you texted me and you're like, I'm ready to podcast, literally, uh, my daughter is always asleep at like seven and she's two. And her and my son were both up watching Monsters, Inc. So that's kind of funny. Um, <laughs> that, that, that that just happened. But anyway, that's the pod. Sign up for TGFBI if you make fantasy baseball stuff. And sorry for the long pod. I know we always run long on these pitcher ones. There's just so many pitchers, so much to talk about. And uh, Raymond, lead us out, bro. Yeah, I mean, I'm tired of saying upside and volume, but the starting pitching market is – what it is and you for some reason rank 300 starting pitchers so um yeah no it's fun sorry it went an hour and a half we need to do better on the intros and not get all willy-nilly off topic but yeah thanks for listening see you next time see ya